This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, December 23, 2016. I'm Caleb Brown. Go to college is the popular mantra for the education establishment. But college isn't for everyone, and it doesn't even guarantee a stable income after you get that vaunted B.A. Jim Sturgio is executive director of the Pioneer Institute. He argues that public schools today do a poor job providing a bridge to employment for young people who are seeking a quality vocational education. I have a good friend in Louisville, Kentucky, who uh, owns a machining plant, and it's been in operation for a really long time. And he is desperately seeking machinists for jobs that, in many cases, start at somewhere between sixty and eighty thousand dollars a year. And he has a terrible time finding these people, but he has no problem uh, finding somebody with a BA at Starbucks to, <laughs> you know, make his latte. And so it's it's a real challenge for him, and uh, I guess in in my thinking from the people that I've always associated with about education, there is this attitude that you're a better person if you go to college than if you become somebody who is a skilled tradesperson. And I think that attitude has had a really negative impact on how stu- how young people think about college how young people think about vocations and it's it's these are not easy jobs i couldn't walk into a a floor at a in a in a factory or some sort of skilled trades uh vocation and do anything i'd be useless there these are difficult uh, applied engineering jobs well that's exactly right look uh, first thing i'd say is Go to Starbucks, get someone with a BA in anthropology. They've studied how to use primitive tools. They might be able, he might be able to actually train them to get to work on some modern tools. Uh, look, the, the, the fact is our country for um, probably now half a century, if not more, has made a fetish around going to college at all costs. And, and we know this, and in part this is the malady of, of American education policymaking, which is there's always a one-size-fits-all. It could be Common Core. It could be the Jeb Bush reforms, the Arizona reforms, the Finland reforms. We do this over and over and over again. And the, and the fact is, uh, even the administration, an administration as hands-on as this one, the Obama administration, in terms of trying to push states to do a variety of different things, has shown, I think, a level of um, a lack of understanding around the need for more choices uh, to the point where they first cut vocational technical funding in 2011. And they said, well, let's put some money into workforce uh, education in four years later in 2015, all within the same administration. Uh, and they don't see that person in Louisville that you're talking about. And they're all over the country. The mismatch between jobs uh, and people, jobs available, and people who are seeking work uh, in terms of their skills is enormous. And it's true everywhere in my neck of the woods in Massachusetts. Springfield, Massachusetts has tens of thousands of jobs that are available. And it has a really high unemployment rate compared to the rest of the state. And trying to match people up with jobs has become difficult. And in large part, that is one, it has two aspects. One is uh, we have to upgrade our K-12 system so that kids actually come out able to read and write basic level. But the other piece of it is we are not providing enough vocational choices for because many of those jobs are either manufacturing or they're skilled nursing or they're basic uh, 
technical skills that come with the kind of computer training that comes with vocational technical education. If these jobs exist, and in many many cases, they're very high starting salaries, uh, and in a few years, that person could be able to afford to buy a house where uh, other people wouldn't and, you know, have a family and spend a lot of time going on vacation. So why is there that mismatch when those jobs are there available and there are uh, employers who are begging for these people? So I can't speak for the rest of the country, but what I would say is that uh, if you look around the country at vocational technical programs, um, they are not really that good. They're not that good in terms of having developed relationships with local businesses to provide feeder networks or feeder uh, a pipeline to employment. Uh, they have not really upgraded their academic offerings. They used to be dumping grounds for people who were not academically skilled in any way. When I was going to high school, that was the case in the late 1970s, early 80s. And they have not upgraded the academic side. One of the things that's really interesting about what Massachusetts has done in this regard is that we have 63 vocational technical schools. And uh, with our uh, education reform in 1993, we required that even vocational technical schools had an academic side that was as strong as the normal uh, high school, the, the college prep high school. Because I think we recognize that if you're going to be technically adept today, it means you really have to attain sort of a 14th grade level. You can't just go and be an eighth grade level uh, attainment English and math. It's just not possible and still be employed. Much of the, the country has stayed there. Um, that's the first thing. The second thing is we've not had a real model for expanding vocational technical schools around the country. And frankly, Massachusetts is dealing with this right now where we're trying to see if there's some way to expand them. We've put money to the capital facilities. But um, the fact is that our district school system, that is the traditional public school system, believes that they own the children and do not want to share the resources, their money. And so giving further options outside of their current network of schools, the district, uh, is not something they're open to. On the other side, even were they open to having more vocational technical programs within the district, by and large, they're incapable of running them because they know how to run one kind of school, running a vocational technical school is a very, very different kettle of fish. And in terms of this, the skills that you're learning and the actual you know, the physics that you're having to deal with, there are pretty high stakes to being good at running uh, things that involve heavy machinery and heavy equipment. Absolutely. Or, or you know, f frankly, um, learning how to run a restaurant or running, uh, learning how to run a hospital or learning how to um, do some of the basic things that allow you to become a pharmacist. I mean, these are jobs that go all across the board and include a lot of um, high-tech stuff. I mean, the high-tech industry in Massachusetts, which is a part of, I mean, bread and butter with biosciences and universities and healthcare and that sort of thing, um, they can't find enough people who are who have the kind of skills. And they're looking for that relationship with many of our, our vocational technical schools. And one of the benefits of having them around is they come to the vocational technical schools and they say, can we start a relationship? We'll actually invest in you. So there's great business partnerships that come with that sort of thing. If school systems tend to view themselves as the possessors of kids and the stream of payments that come along with having kids in their schools, it, it makes sense that their incentives are not necessarily aligned with doing that uh, difficult work of trying to find out what the needs of employers might actually be. They're, they're insanely bad at it. So. Here's night and day in Massachusetts, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it probably is, holds true for many states. Um, 
we have uh, 63 vocational technical schools in about 40 or 40 odd uh, schools. Uh, the dropout rate is below 1% a year. Over 25% of the kids in these schools are special needs by various definitions, and they're outperforming Massachusetts students on the MCAS, which is our standardized test, and we're the highest performing state in the country. It's a really great, great story. These are schools that are managed at the school level. That is, the guy who's running or the gal who's running is running the school and is accountable to people. These are schools of choice. Uh, and they have to have relationships with business. And they develop them. Uh, they put a lot of energy into that. Because it's, in some ways, rather than going to the government saying, we need more money, they're going to business and saying, we could actually build out this aspect of our curriculum if you can provide the jobs and you can provide some seed investment. It happens all the time. On the other side, here's night. Boston Public Schools, um, there are 127 schools in the Boston District. One of them, one of them, is a vocational technical school. It is, a, it is sad to say, but it is an utter failure in the sense that they haven't, uh, a, two years ago, they didn't even have a class schedule by the fifth day of school. There were kids protesting outside, and this is a good news story maybe. The kids were protesting, saying, we want to learn. <laughs> is that bad in the school? Is that much of a sort of a free fall? There were really very few relationships with businesses. They had very few days during the year when they actually had the kids in the businesses working in the facility giving them experience in the workplace. All of our vocational technical schools that work well do that. Um, and so what you see is that the district schools not only think they possess the kids and possess the money, have the right to tell them where to go, but even were they to have the, uh, the thoughtfulness to say, let's create another vocational technical school, they run it into the ground because for them, education is a one-size-fits-all. We really have to break that kind of thinking down and say, what do parents want? What do kids want? And provide them those robust options. Yeah, it seems like a much more natural transition to go from some vocational training program to employment and then back to school and then to employment and eventually just to employment than going from high school to college. Right. A lot of people have that rude awakening. I was one of them who you, you do very well in high school and you're still a lazy person, as I was in high school, but the the skills that you're learning, uh, it just seems like a much more natural, um, something you can grapple with at a, at a well-run vocational school and say, oh, these are the skills I'm going to use every day at this, at this job. And yet, that challenge of creating that pipeline exists. So your solution then is a robust set of choices and involving the needs of employers more directly into vocational training. Absolutely. Look, um, there are kids who, unlike you and me, probably had a much greater focus in high school and um, knew that they wanted to definitely get into college and their parents wanted to get them into college and wanted them to go to a liberal arts college or something similar to that. And charter schools in our state which are about 20% of the kids in our urban centers, uh, fill that role. They're not very, we don't have a vocational technical charter school. And the charter schools that do best are ones that are really focused on sort of the no excuses model, getting kids into college, ready for college and following them through. We also have other choices. We have a desegregation program that's pretty robust that does really well for kids. We have inter-district choice. Now, these are generally speaking college preparatory programs. But we also want to make sure that the parents who have kids who 
you know, they really need much more experiential learning because that's who they are, have the opportunity to do that. And there are a lot more of them than you might think. So one thing I wouldn't want to get into is we're starting to see even education policy in Massachusetts and elsewhere, people talking about, well, all the lessons of Voctech need to be unpacked in all of our schools. No, it's not the case. Meet the kids where they are. Meet the parents where they are. Um, meet them where their motivation is. So uh, our, our view is just give lots more good choices. And, and it, it's hard to do because it's hard to give, it should be more, more articulate, it's hard to expand the, the, uh, the number of choices in the Voc Tech area simply because of that sense that the districts own the money. Many of our vocational technical schools were set up in the 1930s and they were set up as regional vocational technical schools. Therefore, they draw from the region. And when a kid goes to a vocational technical school, it's sort of like charter schools before charter schools, there's some money that's drawn from that district. And the districts hate the vocational technical schools as much as they hate charter schools because it's taking their money. And we need to break down that system. Part of breaking down that system, and we'll, we'll close with this, is that pervasive attitude about Votech and that that attitude, it just seems to be at odds with the reality of how young people are. And I got to think that part of the problem is that teachers went to college. Uh, most of them have either have master's degrees or are working on master's degrees. So they're part of that sort of drumbeat of you got to go to college, you got to go to college, you got to go to college. And it, for a lot of people who are they're not dumb. They're smart. They're people who uh, want to develop very particular applied engineering skills. And uh, but that drumbeat makes I think I could be totally wrong, makes them feel like if I choose this, it's me admitting that I'm not as sharp as these other guys. No, I, I agree with that. I think there's a couple things going on here. One is that the um, the teachers in our public schools, and I mean the district schools largely, um, and this is going to be a, 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 a broad statement that is unfair to some degree, but um, the view of business is one that's a little bit jaundiced, right? I mean, it's that they don't have the, the, the most positive view of businesses. So actually having schools serve the purpose of business is almost being a corporatist in some ways. So there is that attitude there. Um, I think the, the, other, the other piece of this is um, there's some recognition on the part of uh, educators in the K-12 system that they haven't actually done the job they were supposed to do. And kids still need to go to college to actually get the kind of civics and the grounding and the liberal arts that probably should have gotten in great part during high school. So I think part of it's also recognition of that. But the, obviously, the, the largest piece of this is they want the money. They own the money and they don't want to give it up. Jim Sturgio is executive director of the Pioneer Institute in Massachusetts. We spoke in Nashville during the State Policy Network annual meeting. Subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Play, and with Cato's iOS app. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.